Everyone, does everyone have a seat here? Raise your hand if you don't, got a seat. We're on Joseph tonight. All right, let's uh, read the title together. Ready, set, go. Joseph, living as a sheaf of life and a star of light. So if you're confused, there's two sides that probably look like it's the front page. Uh, the 13 aspects of Joseph's life is the back side. So we're on the, uh, the other side with all the verses here. So let's read the title one more time. Ready, set, go. Joseph, living as a sheaf of life Okay, so we've been tracking through Genesis the last three semesters, and our, our lenses, the lenses we're looking at the book of Genesis with and through is the lens of our spiritual experience of Christ. So we've seen um, how Genesis is uh, appropriately the beginning book of the Bible, not merely because it shows how the universe began, but it, because it shows how God's work in and among man began. Yeah. So Genesis shows us the initial and uh, fundamental work that God is going to do in humanity. And Genesis shows us that through the stories of mainly, uh, it, it shows us through the stories of eight people, um, Adam, Abel, uh, Enoch, and Enosh, and Noah in the first half. I kind of, that was five, I know. Um, and then the second half, it really zooms into Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And really the details and the riches of the spiritual um, experiences are really portrayed in the second half of Genesis, starting with Genesis 12. So right when you hit Genesis 12, um, the details in the book of Genesis start to come alive. And it comes alive in the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. So we've seen, um, we've seen um, what, the, what Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob kind of experienced. Last week we were on uh, the experience of Jacob being our process of maturity, how God is bringing us on to maturity. That's Hebrews 6.1, let us be brought on to maturity. Paul's entire ministry service in Colossians is summed up by, we labor and we struggle according to the operation of God until we can present every single man mature in Christ, full grown in Christ. So the whole, entire birth burden of Paul's ministry is maturity. Paul wants to produce mature children of God. And you see that in Jacob. Eventually, Jacob reaches maturity through a lot of experiences. So that fulfills the first half of God's purpose in Genesis 1.26, which is, who knows what that is? What's the word used in Genesis 1.26, though? Image. Image. So God, we know, according to Genesis 1.26, has two burdens on his heart, image and dominion. And if you see that the entire book of Genesis is really an opening up of this one verse, uh, it's, it's really incredible. So what God does in Jacob's life is he accomplishes, uh, he, he secures his image. He, excure, he secures the image of God. And what we see in Joseph's life is God... God is securing the reign of God. He's securing his dominion. So it's really incredible. The whole book of Genesis is an unpacking of this one verse, Genesis 1:26, through the stories of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, plus Joseph. It's awesome, awesome. Okay, so let's look at uh, point number one here, and let's read this. Ready, set, go. According to spiritual experience, Joseph typifies... Okay, so did y'all catch that? So what does Joseph typify? 
the reigning aspect, the reigning aspect of a matured believer. And that reigning aspect is none other than Christ. The reigning aspect of a believer is the Christ who has been constituted into that believer. This should fill us with hope. Okay, let's read Romans uh, 5.17 right below that. Y'all see that? Ready, set, go. Okay, so this is the New Testament corollary to uh, uh, Joseph's experience in Genesis, and it shows you that we are destined to reign in life. Every believer in Christ has a certain destiny, and that destiny is secure uh, because God's word says it, and that destiny is that we would reign in life through the one, through the one. So this reigning in life is nothing other than an experience of Christ by being in Christ, by enjoying Christ, and we're going to see by having Christ constituted into us, that constitution will become and produce a certain experience, which is reigning in life. Okay, so let's pause here and flip to the backside, because to experience this, we really need to see that Joseph uh, typifies Christ. If we're not convinced of that, uh, and we don't see how perfect of a life is recorded uh, concerning Joseph in in Genesis, then we're not going to be that impressed that we're going to reign in life. So we need to see something about Joseph. So what we're going to do here is we're just going to alternate. We're going to have the brothers and the sisters switch off, and we're just going to read the point. uh, Don't read the verses. So this is 13 aspects of Joseph as a type of Christ. So let's start with the brothers here. Number one, ready, set, go. In his being Number two. from the Gentiles. 11. In his and Okay, isn't, isn't that incredible? And so in, in the parentheses there after each point are two, uh, basically two verses, one in Genesis and one somewhere in the New Testament, showing you that Joseph's life is actually a, a type, a, a copy of the life of Christ. And there's actually more details. These are the main uh, aspects of Christ uh, portrayed in Joseph's life. And... Um, What you see with Joseph is Joseph lives a perfect type of Christ, a perfect type of Christ. When his brothers are drowning in their anger, when they're overflowing with with their lust, uh, Joseph is standing there uh, fully typifying Christ in a perfect way. Okay, that may not sound that cool. It's like, okay, that's like, you know, a cool doctrinal connection, I guess. That's cool how the verse is lined up. But what you need to realize is that as we read the life of Joseph, you're reading a description 
description of the Christ being wrought into your being. You're reading a description of the contents of your spirit. There is a perfect person being constituted into your inner being by God's operation. Isn't that awesome? And so we can have confidence and hope in every single one of us because the Christ of God, who was perfect, who sinned, who did not sin, I was going to say sin not, so, but that's old English. Who, who did not sin? You know, it says, it says, who committed no sin. That's 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, right at the end of verse 22, I think. Who committed no sin nor guile was found in his mouth. That perfect Christ that you read about in the Gospels is the Christ dwelling in your spirit. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Okay, so let's go back to the front here and read Galatians 4.19. Ready, set, go. My children. Okay, let's have the brothers read that again. This verse is so awesome. Ready, brothers, go. Do you realize what's happening to you? Christ is being formed in you. Matt, Christ is being formed in you. Isn't that awesome? I think that's something we can get excited about. Christ, the perfect one, the son of God, the one who committed no sin, who didn't even revile when he was being reviled. The holy one, the righteous one, the one who said in John 17, 4, I have glorified you on earth and everything God did, he, he and everything Christ did, he fully expressed God. That Christ is forming within us. That is the central purpose in God's economy, that he would work Christ, the perfect one, into the depths of our being so that eventually that Christ would fill us, flood us, and overflow out of us in a certain kind of living where we would secure Cure God's image and dominion is so awesome. Okay, but but if we look at ourselves today, we're going to have a big fat question mark, a big fat question mark about our experience because our experience is more along the lines of Joseph's brothers, yeah. anger and lust. Mainly those two things characterize fallen humanity, anger and lust. And when we check our experience, we just, a lot of times we don't see that much of Christ living out of us. Am I right? We just, and so we may get discouraged and we may read a verse like Matthew 5, 48. You therefore shall be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And we may wonder what is going on, Lord? I thought, you know, what is going on? Well, Matthew 5, 48 should give us much hope because this is God's promise also that our destiny and our destination is going to be perfect because the perfect Christ is going to fill us, flood us and overflow out of us. Okay, so in that light, uh, what we need to do while we're in this present tension of, of, of God adding Christ more and more into our being day by day and our present contradictory experiences of failing, stumbling, struggling, uh, wrestling with God like Jacob did, what we need to do is Hebrews 12 too. So let's all read this with a strong spirit. Ready, set, go. Looking 
looking away unto Jesus, looking away unto Jesus. Jesus is doing something. He is authoring and perfecting faith in our experience. That's awesome. So anyways, uh, this, this is kind of setting us up for uh, the, the rest of the message. Joseph's life portrays the experience of Christ being constituted into our being to fulfill God's purpose. Okay, let's read number two all together. Ready, set, go. Jacob's two dreams. The nature. Okay, so, you know, Jacob had a dream, and we covered that. Uh, John, you remember what Jacob's dream was? You remember what Jacob's dream was back in Genesis 28? Yeah, the ladder. And what was what was the main point with that? Do you remember? We phone a friend, Jared. <laughs> Jared, do you remember what Genesis twenty-eight was all about? It was the angels descending and descending into heaven, showing that from heaven there's going to come a savior to the world coming on earth. Okay, okay. Can we get a little sister help over here? Genesis 28, maybe? You know, females' minds develop a little sooner than the brothers, so, uh, I mean, I'm one of the bros, so, you know, sliding myself there. Uh, does anybody remember Genesis 28 on the, on the sister side? What was the, what was the dream of Jacob? What was the bottom line there? Uh, Caitlin, hi, you got it? Um, El Bethel. El, yeah, Bethel, Bethel, which means what? House of God. Yeah, house of God. So Jacob's dream in Genesis 28 was concerning the house of God. And you remember Tim? Tim was up here with the, the brick. I mean, how could you forget that? The olive oil, the paper plate. I wanted to take a picture of that and Instagram it, but I didn't. Um, that, and, he, and Jacob woke up and he said, that is the house of God. That experience. Man mingled with the spirit produces God's dwelling place. That spot is where heaven is, is communing with earth. That's Jacob's dream. So profound. Okay, but what Genesis shows us, and we're, I'm kind of uh, anticipating the last point here, what Genesis shows us with Joseph's dreams is that if you want the reality of Jacob's dreams, you need, you need Joseph's dreams. So if you want the reality of Bethel, if you want to be in the reality of the church, the house of God, God needs to give you another dream. And that dream is Joseph's dreams. And Joseph's dreams show you God's view of his people. Shows you God's view of his people. And the point is, if we don't pick up God's view of his people, we're never going to get built up with them. Because we're going to retain our view of God's people. And if you look at Joseph's life experience, what was his view of people? It says he gave his father an evil report. Because his brothers were so sinful. And so if we retain our view, all we're going to see is fallen humanity around us. We're just going to see, oh, Will messed up today. John failed today. You know, Jared's, you know, way too quick. You know, Matt's too slow. John's too loud. You know, Chris is, no, Chris is too loud too. Um, you know, we're just, we're, <laughs> there's just going to be conflict and tension. And we're never going to get practically built up with God's people around us because we're going to be governed by whatever view we have of, of the brothers and sisters around us. So God sovereignly, you got to love this about Genesis. God gives Jacob his view of his, uh, God gives Jacob a dream of God's heart. God gives Joseph a dream of his view. 
So God, for God's heart to be realized in our life, the building of the church, we need to let God show us his view of his people. And this becomes very practical for, for the people all around us. Roommates, spouses, friends, study buddies, co-workers, you know, the lady making your drink at Starbucks. You know, she may be a believer. And you may have a view of her that's preventing you getting built up. I mean, I know. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I don't want to bring Will out here. But, you know, we, we get put in situations sometimes where we find out someone's a, a, a brother. And we're like, oh, you're a brother? And we're like, I didn't know that. And if we don't let God shepherd us in our view of the brothers and sisters, guess what? We're never, not only are we going to suffer because we're never going to get built up, but God is going to have something uh, unfulfilled in his heart, which is his house. Isn't that awesome? So Joseph's views, uh, Joseph's dreams are the necessary supplement to Jacob's dream. Without Joseph's view of God's people, we will never get built up with God's people because all we're going to see is fallen humanity. Okay, so for this, I need, a, I need this whole table right here to come up to the front. We're going to illustrate Joseph's first dream. Come on, get up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All you guys, eight, nine, ten, and David, eleven, and Philip, you're going to be, uh, uh, let's see. Oh, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yeah, we need you too. Wait, what do we got? One, two. Yeah, we need you too, Philip. Sorry. Yeah, so this is meet the family. This is uh, Joseph right here. <laughs> this is Joseph. And, uh, and I wanted to bring this up to, to illustrate how crazy this dream must have been. So, I mean, you know, look, look at this lovely family photo here. <laughs> Joseph, you know, his 11 brothers. Uh, does anyone come from a family of 12? I mean, big families, you know, there's a lot of always little crazy dynamics going on there. Okay, so I want you to read uh, Genesis 37 uh, to us here. What Joseph said, all the way to here, okay. and then, uh, and then basically, do y'all got do y'all got your sheets here? Here, we need y'all. We need y'all's response here. We need the chorus. Okay, so y'all can just spread these around here. And so after he reads his part, y'all read your part. You see the brothers there? All right, ready, set, go. Okay. And Joseph said to them. A little louder, Philip. Joseph. Sorry, my voice is. And Joseph said to them, Listen to this dream which I have had. There we were, binding sheaves in the field, when suddenly my sheaves rose up and remained standing, and then your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheep. And his brother said to him, Will you indeed pray over us and actually be a builder of us? Okay, you kind of get the picture, but now to really get the picture, we need to enact the dream. We need to enact the dream. So as you read your dream, we're going to picture what Joseph was seeing. So, I mean, you guys just bow down to him. Go for it. Okay. You're going to do, you're going to do Joseph's dream and bow down to him. Yeah, that's what he did. All right. So is this right now the dream? This is the dream. Yeah, this is the dream he has. So go for it. Listen to this dream which I have had. There we were binding sheaves in the field. And suddenly my sheaves rose up and standing. And then your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheep. Okay, that's very good. How would you feel? Y'all can take a seat. Thanks. How 
would you feel if you were one of the 11? I mean, how would you feel? You're the older brothers, and, and baby Joseph's like, I had this dream where basically everyone's bowing down to me, and that's y'all. It's like, how would you feel? Okay, so seemingly what Joseph's dream shows us, and this is true, this is true, Joseph's dream shows us that God has a certain destiny for Joseph to uh, reign over his brothers. And that, if you read through Genesis, you see definitely that happens at the end of Genesis. But the awesome revelation here that's just below the surface is not only is this a revelation of God's purpose for Joseph, this is a revelation of the nature of all of God's people. Because although Joseph in function and, you know, outward function is different, according to their nature, they're all sheaves of wheat. They're all sheaves of wheat. And so what that means is God's view of God's people is um, not that, you know, some are evil, some are better, some are good, some are worse. God's view of his people is that all are the same. All are she's full of the divine life. Uh, all, are, all God's people are filled with the divine life so that they could feed others. Isn't that incredible? That is such an awesome revelation. And so that view, if we see that, if we see John is, is a brother full of Christ's life, if we see Jared is full of the divine life, that is true for everyone, we will start to focus not on the outward differences and shortcomings, but on the inward constitution of Christ. God is trying to change Joseph's view you, don't just see the evils, don't just see the, the failures and the shortcomings, see the divine life in your brothers. Isn't that awesome? So if you start seeing that, man, you know, Timothy's got some Christ in there. What do you think I'm going to start appreciating? I'm going to start appreciating the Christ within him and he can feed me. And through that experience, we can be built together. So let's just read John 12, 24 here. Ready, set, go. Unless the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. Okay, so this shows you that through Christ's death and resurrection, he released the divine life. He was a seed of wheat falling into the ground to die. And when he came up in resurrection, all of the believers throughout all time and space were regenerated and also filled and constituted with his same divine life. So that's, that's dream number one. Dream number two is very similar. This is heavenly bodies full of light. And uh, how about let's have the sisters read this dream in Genesis 37, 9 through 10. Y'all see it? Ready, set, go. Dream number two seems very similar. Uh, brothers, sisters, father, mother, all bowing down. But again, uh, the, the deeper revelation here is not just that Joseph is going to reign over the world, but that in nature, and, and here now we have position, in position, all of God's people are in the heavenlies. All of God's people are not earthly, not natural, not fallen, not old creation. They're a new creation in Christ, and they've been raised together with Christ and seated with him in the heavenlies. And as heavenly luminaries, they are full of the divine light. They're shining in this darkened world. 
Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So if there's a brother, a sister in your class, what do you think you should do? Criticize them? Look down on them? Disparage them? Neglect them? You should appreciate them and see that they are a partner of yours in the expression of God, full of God's life, full of God's light. Buddy with them, partner with them, get built with them so God's purpose can be actualized in your class. Isn't that awesome? I mean, one time I was here, I was working out in rec sports, you know, the smaller gym, and I was sitting there thinking, you know, I may be the only Christian right now working out in here. I, mean, I, don't know you, I don't know if you've ever had that thought. You look around campus, maybe in your class, you think, man, am I the only Christian here in this, in this, in this class? Okay, if we realize that another brother's in our class, we should appreciate them. We should have a lot of feeling for them, and we should pray, Lord, give me your view concerning this brother in my class, because I want to see that this brother is full of your life, and I want to see that this sister is full of your light, and I want to get built up with them so your purpose can be realized right here, right now, in Chemistry 301. How about it? How about it? So we need, to God, we need God to give us these dreams. So let's read Philippians 2.15 all together. Ready, set, go. Among whom you shine as luminaries in the world. So y'all see the two New Testament uh, parallel verses there to the dreams? We're, 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 uh, we're, we're regenerated to be full of Christ's life, and we're regenerated, and in our position, we're in the heavenly, shining in the darkness. So that's the nature, that's the position. The function is to give life and to shine. And the goal of God's people is to produce Christ. So eventually Judah, even though he was so sinful, he became an ancestor in the genealogy of Christ. He brought forth Christ. So don't have a short-sighted view of those around you. Today they may be in sin. Today they may be struggling. Today they may have shortages. Today they, have may, they may have weaknesses. But in God's eternal view, which is outside the constraints, of time, he sees that sinful, evil Judah is going to be a part of the bringing forth of Christ. Amen. That's incredible. So anyways, we need to allow God to shepherd us in our thinking and our view of others. Let's read number three all together. Ready, set, go. Wow, isn't that so awesome? That's so encouraging. God sees you in Christ. God chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. That's Ephesians 1.4. That means before you did anything good or bad, you know, that's Romans 9.11, before you had any failures, before you had any sins, God had a certain relationship with you. God had a divine and eternal view concerning you. God had a particular stance and appreciation concerning you because he put you in Christ. He chose you in Christ. He saw you in Christ. He saw your destiny in Christ. Isn't that incredible? So if God sees us in Christ, why would we have a different view than God? Are we, are we more discerning than God about those around us? Are we wiser? And, well, you know, God doesn't see that, you know, because God's not living with them day by day. You know, if God only saw all the dishes he didn't do, you know? Okay, God sees us in Christ. That is so encouraging. And so let's read Numbers 20, 23, 21. Ready, set, go. Okay, he has not beheld iniquity. 
He has not beheld iniquity in Jacob. At this time in their history, there was a lot of iniquity. Go read Numbers. Basura, as some, some among us would say. It was trash. Their history was stinking. It was a stinking, repetitive cycle. Read Judges, some of the worst stories in the Old Testament. And God has the audacity to say through this, this Old Testament prophet, a Gentile prophet, God gives a word of blessing during a time of failure. God does not see iniquity in Jacob and doesn't see any trouble. So you better not curse them. You better bless them, speak well of them, and get built up with them. Isn't that good? So we need this view. Are are y'all kind of getting the point? We need the view, this view, for those all around us. It's very practical. And let's read Ephesians 5.27. This is our destination. So God has not beheld any iniquity because he sees us before the foundation of the world in Christ. And Ephesians 5.27 says that he might present the church to himself glorious, not having spot or wrinkle or any such things, but that she would be holy and without blemish. So your destiny is set. Your destiny is set in Ephesians 5.27. No blemish, no spot, no wrinkle, nor any such thing, but that she would be holy, uh, glorious, expressing God. So that is so encouraging. So we need this view concerning those around us. Um, All right, let's just finish up here with uh, number four here. Let's read this all together. Ready, set, go. So this is is the big takeaway. Um, Practically, if we want the house of God to get built up, which is God's eternal purpose, if we want the church to be realized, then we need another view concerning all the brothers and sisters around us. We need a view concerning their nature, full of God's life, concerning their position in the heavenlies, concerning their function to feed and flow out life and to shine light in the darkness, and concerning their goal, bringing forth Christ back into humanity. Isn't that awesome? That's the destiny of all every one of us. So if we want the church to be built up. We need the view and the dreams of Joseph. So let's read. uh, These are two practical takeaways here in 2 Corinthians, uh, both in 2 Corinthians. Uh, I'll I'll just read the first one here. So then we, so from now on, what are we going to think? From now on, what are we going to do? So then we, from now on, know no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him so no longer. So then if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, they have become new. Behold. Let's all say behold together. Behold. You know what behold means? It's a call. It's a call by God and the apostle to watch the miraculous and marvelous change in every son of God from the the old creation to the new creation. God is saying, behold, something's happening around you. Look at it. Don't look at the flesh. Don't know people according to the old creation. Behold, 
Something is transpiring within the depths of the being of the saints around you, and that is the new creation is happening. The new creation is being produced out from the old creation. Isn't that so encouraging? So from now on, we need to say, Lord, I want that view. I want that view to know people according to Christ. And in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So there's a treasure in each one of us. That's Christ. And we have a choice. We can either see the earthen vessel with the weaknesses, with the fragility, with the, uh, you know, the cheapness. It's just, it's just dust. It's just clay. You know, it's in the dollar store. It's not worth anything. Or we could see the Christ of glory in each one of the brothers and sisters around us. We can see the treasure. And so if we see the treasure in those around us, we'll start appreciating them. And God will have a way to build us together and get what he's after. Okay, so let's, uh, let me just go ahead and pray, and then we'll, we'll go to the reading here and split up a group. So let me just pray here. Lord, thank you so much for your word, Lord, and the stories of Joseph. Lord, we just pray for each one of us. This would be our divine view of each other, Lord. We would see the Christ in one another. We would see the treasure in all the earthen vessels around us. Lord, we want you to get, your, get what you're after, Lord. We want you to get the built-up body of Christ. Amen. All right, let's break up and uh, read our, our ministry excerpt here. The ministry is on the back of the song. Thank